Humans of the planet Earth, welcome to uh, Unplug Yourself. I'm flipping, I'm flopping, I'm back on the interviews. I couldn't be more excited about this. It's nice to uh, to talk to people. I enjoy the shit out of it. Um, this week, I have another interview, two in a row. haven't done this in a while, although there is a potential drop-off. So i got to chase some people up, but uh, it's good to have a bit of a buffer, a little bit of uh, a backlog so that I can push these things out and not have to worry about it. I'm currently taking the edit on a Friday, so this will be available on the Monday, which is a public holiday in Australia. It's Australia Day long weekend. I'm going down to the bush fire-ravished Batemans Bay for the long weekend to uh, see what's uh, happened down there, but also catch up with a good buddy of mine. And uh, yeah, and just enjoy the weekend. I mean, I'm not in my drinking phase. I'm in my three months off. So, you know, it's, it's always interesting around Australia Day. is a massive drinking holiday uh, to just hang out and be on the bubbly water. Um, I switched to sparkling water. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's a camp here for uh, still or sparkling. I don't know that I necessarily appreciate sparkling water as much. I just use what's called the soda stream. I just carbonate regular old tap water. Um, but that's what I that's what I do now. That's my thing. Um, I'm a sparkly water kind of guy. I wasn't for most of my life, but you know, life you change. Life you change. You grow up. You you you, you things that you didn't like you do like later. So there's a silver lining out there. One day, everything changes, and then you can accept things better. Nevertheless, this is a bit of a long run-in to uh, kind of say, hey, uh, I'm in front of things. I feel good about being on top of my my goals and programs so far. I'm not really a month into the year, but, you know, uh, that's just where I'm at right now. So uh, I had a great interview. This was a, a really cool one, one that I was, uh, another one, you know, another one I was looking forward to doing, but one that, um, you know, I was probably a little bit more excited about in the sense that, you know, it's sort of the hockey world, a world that I'm getting out of something that I'm, you know, kind of transitioning away from, but also a conversation with somebody who I think is doing a fantastic job in this space in Australia, you know, where, you know, we're having a bit of an early chat where the numbers are like, you know, about a thousand kids you can get after uh, to kind of train and coach here in a broad spectrum of, you know, sort of uh, training camps, et cetera, to compared to, um, I think Canada or at least North America, but possibly just Canada of like in an excess of 300,000 kids that you can get after. So it is a hard job building up and hustling and, you know, like trying to figure out how to build a hockey academy related business. Um, but uh, this week I'm talking to J- John Kennedy Jr. or JFK as he goes by, um, you know, and he is the guy that spearheaded NSA. Uh, and this is the Austra- one of the Australians, you know, I guess Australia's premier hockey academy. I mean, he's kind of killing it. As far as I know, he's killing it in Australia. He's gone off. He's not just doing this in New South Wales. I've seen him go to Queensland. I want to say he's been pretty much to any rink uh, in the country, uh, let alone the fact that he played in the in the semi-pro AHL league for a few of the teams. He's, you know, the head coach now of the Newcastle North Stars. Um, you know, bringing his his pizzazz to that coaching world and trying to take that team. Um, up into the t- upper ranks and win, uh, what I think, what is it, the Wilson's Cup? Oh, man, I, I probably butchered that. I want to say it's the Wilson's Cup. So, you know, I got a flag of it up in my CrossFit gym. Uh, but nevertheless, this is, uh, a, you know, a sweet chat uh, with John. 
you know, guy who has, you know, uh, is an engineer by trade, has a really interesting backstory of like kind of just working hard at hockey, figure it out, you know, from a passion perspective, you know, getting a degree, uh, you know, going to uni, getting a degree, becoming an engineer. And then um, I don't know if we covered moving to Australia or why he's out here, but he's out, you know, moved to Australia, is working out this way, probably possibly work. Uh, but now he's transitioning from, you know, sort of his, uh, full-time to his hustle and flip-flopped, right? And so his hustle was Hockey Academy, teaching people how to play the game better, sharing in his passion, and, um, you know, and doing engineering to his main his main gig. Uh, but now he's flipped the switch. He's gone the other way. His, his NSA program, what he's doing is, is his primary job. And I mean, God, if you... I'll, I'll try to link his socials because, like, I tell you what, if you want a real shock of somebody who's working hard, you want to you want to follow somebody who's pushing. Um, you know, this guy posts stories of like three a.m. driving an hour and a half, two hours to a rink. You know, and uh, he he's getting up early to do the job, man. This is some crazy crazy stuff. Uh, you know, and only in the sense that it's a lot of uh, time spent in car. Uh, hence, he's quite uh, quite positive on the podcast and listening to him. So, um, this is uh, you know. A guy that's uh, well worth it in the hockey community getting involved with, getting involved with, but also from the same perspective, an inspirational sort of person who has a lot of energy, a lot of passion. And I'll tell you what, I was inspired by him when I was uh, coaching next to him and just trying to keep up. The guy's got more hockey than I've ever even come across, you know, from uh, the ability to play, but, you know, and translate into words that people can consume from the perspective of being coached. Um, so this is my energy interview with uh, John Kennedy, JFK. I hope you guys enjoy it. I had a lot of fun having a chat with him. I think we did like a, a 15, 20 minute preamble before I, I cut a whole bunch of it out just because we were just catching up, uh, which was cool. Um, it's just good to talk to a fellow, a fellow passionate hockey player who wants to change, you know, the way it works in Australia. So this is uh, Jeff K. Enjoy it, everybody. It's like we're on a road trip, man. I'll drive the bus, and then you just jump in. You drive that down. All right, cool, man. All right, buddy. All right, well, we'll kick into gear. Uh, John Kennedy Jr., uh, hockey extraordinaire would be where I would go with it. That's how I would start this because of all the all the people I've met, it's like there's magic on the ice when I see you ro- rocking it out. Um, we know each other through the hockey community, a little bit of that coaching thing, and uh, you know, kind of just a love of a game. Um, I know I just spent time whinging about it, but you know, it, it is one of those things that, that kept us in, uh, you know, in, uh, in contact for some time. Thanks for jumping on my show uh, or the podcast. As my son corrects me, it's not a show, Dad. It's a podcast. I, I like to call it a show. I want to live the dream. It's a show. Um, but, John, uh, you know, why don't you give me a bit of a snapshot for the, the people that listen? Who, who are we? What, uh, where do we come from? Uh, you know, all that good stuff. Well, look, with that legendary intro, I, I really want to meet this John Kennedy character, too. <laughs> Mate, look uh, at no, here. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, like you said, uh, John Kennedy Jr., obviously people call me JFK. Um, I hail from um, Saginaw, Michigan. I was born and raised there. I've been playing ice hockey, as you mentioned, since the age of four and a half, five years old. Mm. Uh, and, and pretty much just lived a typical American life, high school, uh, college. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play a little bit of some pro hockey. And, uh, as you mentioned, just on the ice, uh, that's, that's my sweet spot. Uh, absolutely. Since the day I started playing ice hockey, it's been a passion of mine. And 
and it's helped me with a lot of life skills and it's helped me be able to travel the world and do a lot of cool things that otherwise I may not have been able to do. So, uh, I like to give back to the game and, and ice hockey development is my thing. Mm. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, I think I was giving feeding you some compliments earlier, but there's something interesting about the, the thing that you do when you bring, bring that, uh, you know, that hockey to a community and, and that passion that comes through as a result of like, you know, you going, all right, let's next level people. Let's bring them what they need to become better. Right. Um, you know, and yeah. it's a unique, uh, skill set for somebody to kind of, I mean, one, jump into a community, you know, here where it's a fringe sport. There's a wide range of people trying to figure out how to do it. And then, you know, help people identify, you know, what they can do to, to kind of achieve dreams with, you know, with a weird sport that nobody really gets and doesn't even think exists in this country, <laughs> which is crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. It, it just comes down to I feel very fortunate enough to be able to say that, like, I'm working within my passion. Mm. I, I There's so many people that, you know, from twenties to thirties, forties, you know, like grow their whole life. And, you know, they don't either a try enough things to find it or B, you know, just settle upon something and just view that this is life. So for me to like show passion when I'm on the ice, because that's the only place I'd rather be. Like Mm. I found my thing and and that's what what helps me. But like you said, um, you know, it's a wide spectrum of people. (laughs) You got your beginners to your more advanced and, like just like a builder would see a house and they know if this house is, you know, if, if it's good or, you know, it needs this work or if this is a good buy or that's a you know bad buy. Mm. When it comes on the ice hockey and seeing players, like I do understand that, you know, it's not a, an elite sport in this country or, you know, a very popular one, but you do have that fraction of players that you can see them. And I, I know players when they have it. Yeah. So if we can help those players, you know, be able to, fulfill their dreams of, you know, playing hockey at the high level. We want to do that. Mm. But at the same time, you know, just working with the grassroots, I want to be able to help, you know, just your senior player that just wants to be able to shoot the puck harder, you know, be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a guy, I work with a guy that was at your, uh, recent, uh, uh, adults camp. And, um, he's like, I said, how did it go for you? You know? And, uh, cause like, you know, we see him every day. So like, oh, I was good. You know, I said, well, what, what did you, he goes, well, I couldn't shoot before I got there, but when I left, I remembered I could shoot again. <laughs> and I was just like, well done, buddy. Well done. You did it. <laughs> but uh, it's look, funny. All yeah. it takes is one thing. Like, it does. If we yeah. go through a whole bunch. Yeah. If, as long as they take one thing home with them, I'm happy. Oh no, I couldn't agree more, man. It's so hard. There's so only so many things you can you can hold in your brain at one time, right? And so when you're teaching somebody many things, they're like got two or three things maybe at best they're going to hold in there, and then they're going to like continue on that until they figure out how to do that. Then they can't hear anything else, you know. So you're just like, you got those things? You got a couple of them, you know? They're like, yeah, you know, keep going, do that about a hundred times. We'll come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a funny, <laughs> it's a funny business teaching people stuff, hey. Um, now I, there, someone told, I don't think I've ever asked you or heard this from you, but someone was talking to me about sort of your hockey journey and, you know, sort of the early days to when you, when you kind of got to, I guess, college and playing and, and then the later times, but was there, was there a question mark about like whether you could make it or do it and you had to persevere through that? I just want to say that for some yeah. reason. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So cool. That, that, goes, that, that goes along with my story. And like yeah. I said, you know, I hockey. But just sports in general yeah. have taught me so much. And trust me, I am not in the, like, I am nowhere near qualified to talk about mental health or to talk about, you know, anything in regards to that. 
However, I know for me personally, mm. I think I was able to process um, failures. I was able to process, you know, defeat and, you know, life's ups and downs through sports yeah. because it was a safe environment to do it. You lose games, right. you find out that, you know, hey, I don't have to identify as being a loser, but mm. bad things happen. This is how I process it and go from there. So mm. um, in regards to, to, yeah, I guess my adversity when it came down to ice hockey, um, essentially, like like I said, in, within hockey, it's a little bit different than your normal high school sports in America mm. where and it, when you play school sports, whether it's like baseball, gridiron, uh, basketball, you play for your school pretty much in middle school, which is for us is sixth through eighth grade. Yep. Then once you go to high school, you have uh, freshman, junior varsity, varsity, and you, you play within your school. And then by the end of your senior year, then you go to hopefully a college, whether it's Div 1, Div 2, Div 3. Yep. And then if you're good enough from there, then you go pro. True. When it comes on the ice hockey, because of the dynamics of like, you know, it's a heavily Canadian influenced sport. Um, I mean, I never played um, hockey for my school until I played college. Right. So during like, during my high school years, I was playing for like a local junior team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my senior year, I was playing in Sault Ste. Marie. Um, we did well that year. And then my first year out of school, I was playing junior hockey as well, which is like, the best time in the world. We were living in a duplex. Usually when you're in junior hockey, mm. you have to live with like a, a housing family or a village. Right. We were able to live in a duplex. So it's like four or five guys. We have the equipment manager. So he's not like a coach. So right. if you misbehave, if he misbehave, you know, he may slap you on the wrist, but like, it's not going to mean anything anyways. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's like, it's like a frat house. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I did a year of that in Cleveland and essentially I was the highest point defenseman on the team. I ended up, you know, my biggest goal was to play college hockey. Like, I wanted to play, you know, you you watch your buddies get recruited. They're signing letters of intent or they're Mm -hmm. signing, you know, their scholarship letters. And I've always, like, wanted to do that. Um, I was talking to a couple schools, things like that. But what happened was, you know, I didn't sign anywhere. So I was getting ready to go back to juniors. There's two main American leagues uh, for junior hockey and uh, the U.S. There's the North American Hockey League, which is Junior A Tier Two, yep. and that's the one I played in. Okay, and then you have the U.S. the USHL, which like yeah. is the creme de la creme. Right. If you're playing there and you're like within, if you're just playing shifts, you don't have to be like midway. You could be like a lower player in that league. Mm. Most likely, you're getting a, a college scholarship. So, right. the team that I was playing for, I finished the year in Cleveland, but they were going to move to Columbus. And they were going to be underneath the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, oh, so they're wow. going to be like, uh, so they're going to be right under that team. So they, the jerseys, the facilities, and everything. So it's all laid out. Well, it's like it was the same coaching staff, same management, everything. And yeah, went through tryouts. Everything was good, and then get to the you know the final game or the final like evaluation and got cut. Oh wow! And yeah, it was just one of those things where. Look, at the end of the day, if I was good enough, I would have made the team. Yeah, sure. If, like, I, you know, I was in a position where, and, like, I can take ownership now, but then I didn't. Mm. Um, it, it was a matter, if, you were, if you're that good, there's no way anyone can stop. Mm. But mm. if you're in the mix of people, well, then you leave things to chance. So, you know, even though I may have done well 
the previous season. I knew the coaching staff and mm-hmm. you know, like I had those things on my side. I didn't show enough that I was beyond these other players. Okay. Right. right. So I got cut and I was just like, I'm over it, man. Like I, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of self-loathing, but I was just over it because mm-hmm. I, I put so much, much into hockey. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, my parents put so much time and money and effort in this. It's right. just like, I'm like, I'm just done. Right. It. I'll just, I had good grades out of high school. I'll go to Michigan state. I'll go to U of M. I'll get my education sure. and do my thing. And I was getting ready to, you know, but then summer kind of goes around and, you know, you kind of cool down a bit. And mm. one of my buddies, there was a team in, in, uh, in the upper peninsula of Michigan, mm-hmm. which is surrounded by lakes super cold. I've already been in that area before. I hate it. Yeah. And there was a team up there that wanted me and I was getting ready to drive up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Where you wanted me. Yeah. Getting ready to drive up there. And then what happened was, uh, and sorry, this is such a long way story, no, but uh, I was getting ready to drive up there. But, um, I, someone else uh, gave me a call. My midget major coach gave me a call and he's like, uh, there's this coach down in uh, St. Louis that wants you to play with them. His name is uh, John Cooper. Right. I'm like, sweet. And if you know, John Cooper is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right. And essentially, I go to St. Louis. Uh, I play next with uh, Pat Maroon. Wow. Um, and, you know, we have an amazing year as a team. We win nationals. I end up committing to uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute or RPI. Mm-hmm. Um, go there. Best four years of my life. It's amazing. And, yeah, that's the story. So, look. I like it's just kind of like I gave it that last go. Yeah. When I I was getting ready to quit, and I gave it that last. I'm like, I'm going to do this, yeah. and then, bam, you know, everything else happened after that. So. And it just kind of unfolded uh, as well, right? Like. Yeah. Did you did you find when so when you got dropped and and all that and you ready to hang it all up? Um, do you can you recall like you know obviously you felt you know defeated and and he did explain some of those feelings but do you recall like was it a, a fast recoil or a long recoil before you kind of were like no you know what like I was able to kind of move move past it or did you did you get angry and like kind of got really hung up and then you know you know what I mean do you know what I'm trying to ask there it's like yeah, mentally yeah, I, it's I, a I was, tough was, game right to get through that stuff yeah. but a hugely valuable lesson right. And that's the thing, like, if it's a game, I can shake that off. Mm. It's a bad game, even if, like, I played awful, maybe it takes a little bit longer, or, you know, maybe it kind of lingers a little bit into the week of practice. But yeah. this this one, it hit hard. Yeah. Because you, you just, you, because you've attached your future to being on this team. Yeah. You've already viewed yourself playing. Like, you've already hyped yourself up. You're like, it, it, it's already it's almost a done deal. Mm. So this one, it, it probably took me a solid month. Right. Uh, okay. You know, just being away from the rink, um, not even worried about hockey, just mm. hanging out at home, um, and just doing things for me type of deal. Like yeah. I, I, I like being in the gym anyways. So I, it's not like I was training to get ready for hockey. I was just in the gym for the sake of it. But yeah, yeah. this one, out of a lot of my, like my disappointments, I would say this one took the longest right. for me to process it, get past it. And I think once I was able to just kind of be okay that I was going to be doing that and, mm. you know, some chats with my brother. You're right. Like, I think my bro is, my, my brother's just like, man, it's just like hockey. He told me hockey is you. Like, it's yeah. just like, I, I don't see you without hockey. Like, right. it's just, that's how I knew you. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I guess I kind of needed that pep talk and it's just like, yeah, you're right. You know, it's just something in me that 
when I'm on the ice, it's magic, you know, yeah. whether it's, whether it's coaching, whether it's playing, it's mm-hmm. just, I can't explain it, but it is bliss. Yeah, you know? no, I, and, I know that feeling. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it, so. it's like everything disappears. You know, it's yep. like it, it, it. You're not. You're not even almost an existing in the in the moment. You're existing in it in this broader experience. And you know, like I remember, you know, games just being over so quickly. Whenever I play, it's like the game. It's like it's it's over before I even blink. You know what I mean? I'm like, what what just happened? You know, did like time just flies? You know, and in those experiences, yeah. you know, and I don't know. It's a fun. It's fun, well, man. Well, that yeah. that also could be because of the like running time periods here in Australia too. <laughs> True. True. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Or the weird, or the weird way that they do it, where they play two stop periods and then they play like the last period at twenty minutes, but with five minutes of stop time. And you're like, how are you doing the math on any of this? <laughs> where yeah. does this rationalize anywhere in the mathematics? I remember at one point where they were talking about doing something because we used to play fifteen minute periods in club. And then they're like, oh, we can't go to 20-minute periods. It's going to cost too much money. And, and then they're like – and then they said something, and then they're like – they some, gave me some mathematical equation about how it couldn't be done. And then I just like did the math on paper and went, you're literally saying it's the exact same amount of time. Like it's a, it's a no-brainer yeah. amount of extra time because we're always going over time. I'm like, did no one just do the math? <laughs> it was just like all on uh, just guesswork. And I was like, oh, come on, people. Let's, let's uh, put they some didn't care the two. Yeah. They didn't care that yeah, that. I think so. So you got, okay. So family, right? So I've met your dad, which yep. is pretty cool. And that was really interesting to meet your dad when he was at that rink and, uh, and, and getting like swept into your dad's world for just the briefest amount of stuff that he does when, you know, he's got a routine that he does, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but you got a brother. Yep. Just the one, uh, younger, bro- younger, younger brother, brother and right. younger brother and older sister. and an older sister. Right. So your younger brother gave you the fruits you required a little bit there, which is cool. That's a neat thing. Yeah. Yeah. How much younger is your brother? Uh, he's uh, like three, three and a half years. Okay. So he's a 91 birth year. I'm an 87, but yeah. I'm a late 87 and he's early 91. So right. yeah, about three and a half. And then how old is your sister by comparison? Uh, my sister, she is two and a half older. Right. Okay. Years older than okay. Me, so. Yeah. It's a bit of a pattern. So we're about yeah, the same. Three year window. Same. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, like, obviously, you got family. So, is everybody still back in Michigan, or where are they? So, like, we're all over the place. Right. So, my brother, he was here after my wedding. Mm. Uh, my brother and his wife, they came out here just to, to be here for the wedding, and they're like, yeah. wow, this yeah. is where you live? Yeah. And coming from Michigan, it's just, <laughs> this place is very, very different. So. Yeah. Uh, so they were out here for a little bit, had some visa problems with four five seven. So right. uh, unfortunately, they had to go back home. So now they're living in uh, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, right. Mom and dad, mom and dad are still in Michigan, and then my sister, she is out in New York. I right. want to say Manhattan. Wow. I'm, I'm trying to be. Yeah, she's either Man or Brooklyn, one right. or the other. Right. right. I heard Manhattan or Brooklyn, but she's yeah in the burbs. Yeah. Right. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's cool, man. And how long have you been in Australia? Just, wow, no. Since Melbourne Cup Day 2012. 2012, Melbourne Cup, right. Is that because you came down and it was Melbourne Cup Day and it was like, what are these people doing? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so my first season, I actually played for Camp. Oh, and that, right. that, was before, that was before they turned into uh, the CBR Braves. They were called the Canberra Knights. That, so I yeah. played with the Knights for a season. Um, and just real, you know, realized I want to be here. So, yeah. uh, decided to, uh, yeah. Um, 
I, I knew I wanted to stay in Australia, but if I did, I wanted to be on the coast. And, and, and it's kind of weird because the thing that I did like about Australia that I guess now I kind of get a little bit, not annoyed, but uh, it, it, it kind of grinds my gears a bit was how laid back it was. Um, I liked the fact that people could do their work day and then be done compared to America where it's just, it's yeah. go, 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 mm. like a hundred and 20% all the time. Plus on top of that, it feels like you almost have to, but you have to knock down buildings so your building's bigger type yeah. of deal. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, I know and, exactly and what you're saying. So I, I like that change of pace and that, that, that change of lifestyle. So that's what attracted me to come out here. Mm. Oh, that, yeah, that's, that's, that is a big change up, man. Cause like I've been here, um, since 2000, 2001. And, um, and I remember like, it is very much a, you know, a daytime thing, although it has shifted a little bit. People seem to be with the, the devices and the hyperconnectivity, people seem to be more always working or are kind of available now than they used to be. But yeah, there was a big change. I was like, wow, you know, like people, people fight for their annual leave. And like, I remember in the States feeling like guilty, like ask for a day off, you know what I mean? Or to be sick yeah. was a big problem. You know what I mean? Whereas here, like, you know, it's, it, it's the opposite, like literally the other end of the spectrum where it's like, no, no, you take, you get a, you, you know, you take a sickie. I'm like, what do you mean you take a sickie? Well, it's like a mental yeah. health day. I'm like, what do you mean a yeah. mental health day? You get a mental health day? No, no, you don't. But you know, it's kind of like a thing where you just, you just call in sick that day. Nobody really cares. Cause you get them anyways. You get eight of them a year. I'm like, but they're not guaranteed exactly. days off. Like that's not the way it works. Right. Oh man. It tell was, me, tell me this. Tell me why my boss didn't tell me that yeah. my first like two years of being here. Oh no. I, ended, I would yeah. take, I would take annual leave. Yeah. I, Cause I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I'm sick. Like I can't make a day. Yeah. Wrote on my timesheet annual leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, were you, you were, were you a salary guy or a contractor? Uh, it was, uh, it was a casual. Casual. I was just yeah. yeah, you may not have been entitled to. It depends on oh, your okay, hours. Yeah. Like I've learned a lot about it, anyways, because of the summit, well, all the stuff okay. that I've done. Here. <laughs> but yeah, there's there, there's varying levels at which you do get that stuff or don't. It always depends on the amount of hours you work, where the award system kicks in. But anyways, nevertheless, yeah. plus the four, you know, you full time employee, you get four weeks, you know, or twenty days, right? So you know, yeah. you get like there's a fair whack of um, just guaranteed paid leave that I don't recover, recall ever being on offer in America. Um, you know, you might get that as a, a a benefit in a salary job maybe you might get a couple weeks i've heard about uh, but not in my lifetime when i was around it was like oh yeah you know maybe you get the the annual leave that the forced closed down days um but yeah man and then all the extra it feels like you're you know you're that we're always having a, a you know a holiday you know like an annual long weekends there's always long weekends you know? so many holidays yeah <laughs> and, and when, it, when it comes on the easter yeah oh man australia love yeah Easter Monday, Easter Tuesday, Easter yeah. Thursday, yeah. everything. And then everybody <laughs> just takes more time off because that's when they cash in that annual leave. It's like exactly. And then and then there's the drainage in Australia over December and January where it literally shuts down for two months practically. Like businesses oh. just stop moving for two months. And I'm yeah. just like, how can they do this? This is insane to me. Yeah, like, you're lucky to you're lucky to get like what Christmas, Christmas and New Year's off, no Boxing Day, and oh, then. Yeah. I didn't even know what Boxing Day was. I, I knew it was on the calendar, and I remember going, "What is it?" But like, no one knew what it was. Ironically, yeah. I came here where they actually get it off as a public. But I said, "But what is it?" And people still couldn't tell me, so I looked it up, 
and I then found out what, what it was. But you know, that, what what is it actually? It's when you box your leftovers and give it to the poor. That's technically what it's all about, right? And so it's the day after Christmas where you give back to those less fortunate type thing. So it's a day of like giving your leftovers away or whatever you don't want to people in need. That's the Boxing Day. And, and, and it's great because I don't know how many people listen to this. And if that many people listen to it and I'm wrong, I don't even really think anyone would mention it. They would be like, oh, right, because they don't really know anyways. <laughs> Nobody fucking looks anything up. They'll be like, oh, good. I, I now know that information. <laughs> oh, facts don't matter. Oh, yeah, if, you, if you make it sound convincing, that's all you need to do. Oh, yeah, true, true. I've been talking about this one recently, which has been kind of uh, a more interesting thing in that you know there's been this big question mark around – uh, why are there so many men in leadership positions, but just really shit at it, right? And um, mm. you know, and that was like the kind of the clickbaity title. And I kind of read the the lead in, and I was like, oh yeah, it's not so much about. It's a little clickbaity, but the the point existed that as um, as uh, sort of as a I guess as a group or as a society, we don't really know the difference between confidence and competence. So somebody can be hugely confident but completely incapable at the same oh, time yeah. and but yet be given the opportunities because they're super confident. They just represent it, but they got no hustle underneath it, no with nothing to back it. They don't do the work, right? And so then they just become these sort of dead duck leaders that just don't make any changes, but they just keep talking with all that confidence. So people are like, Oh, well, they sound like they know what they're doing. That's good enough. Um and I was uh, like, Holy like, shit. It's so true. And the, the word that comes when I think about that is yeah. entitlement. Yeah, sure. Um, some some people that they just view it as if like it's not their right, but like they deserve that. Yeah, they will they will step into a room because they literally believe that they deserve it, mm. not based on anything besides the fact that they because my name is Joe Blow, I deserve this job or I deserve this position. And then once they're put into that position, it's just like okay, now what do you do? Yeah, right. And there's nothing. Behind yeah. Yeah. No, I I completely understand that concept of yeah, confidence and confidence is two totally different things. It is. It is. And and yeah, and I, and it's an interesting kind of point that you just made around. You know, you can, some people do just push right into a room and get there, and then it's sort of a now what you know, uh, what do I do now? Um, mm. But I mean, I it's crazy. I was having a conversation with um, a, a grad student today, and we were talking about you know sort of the 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 swing right of the male female swing right, and how she actually raised this really interesting point with me around how the needle has gone completely from like men having all the opportunity now to now men are on the other end, and and she was in a room where. She was like, you know, with recruiters and stuff was going on and she was coming out of the engineering field, a grad student, right? So she's only been around men doing it, the whole thing, right? And then all of a sudden the needle swung for let's give women more opportunity, which is a real thing right now. And it swung completely to the other way whereby she's, she was then getting to getting opportunities only because she was a girl, not because of her credentials. And she's like, it completely like minimizes everything I've worked for. And in a weird way, uh, what she was saying was, is I'm used to having to compete against men. And it's actually kind of fun because I chose that path, but now I'm just getting it. And it's like, my credentials don't matter just because I'm a girl. And I was like, well, he said, that is, you know, it's a weird swing and it's a thing that kind of needs to happen so that we can kind of circumnavigate back to where the middle should be. Because, you know, admittedly, so there's been a, you know, a weird sort of, you know, bias towards men and the 
opportunities, you know, in a certain to a certain degree. But now it's you know yeah. it's 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 weird that it swung so far the other way. And she was saying she actually said something I never really thought of, which was now I'm only getting it, and my, what I've worked so hard for doesn't even matter. It's just like completely erased. And it just was like, and then she's like, and then morally, she's like, do I take advantage of that? Like, is that really what I'm supposed to be doing? And like, you know, the, the conversation she's having with other women is, like, yeah, you take advantage of that. But she felt as though, you know, like that wasn't necessarily the right thing to do, you know? And I was like, wow, that's just such a polarizing, you know, and also kind of neat thing that's going on right now in, in this sort of world we're living in, which, uh, you know, it again questions, you know, confidence, competence. And we did talk about, you know, why men kind of have that driving force because, you know, men go into things much, you know, with far more confidence. Her, her mindset was like, no, I don't have 100% of the capability, but she said that comparatively men, you know, that she's, you know, kind of come up against, they might have 60, 80% and they still go for it, you know? So from a yeah. mindset perspective and how women operate versus how men operate and man, it was a really interesting, you know, kind of conversation We had this, you know, we're supposed to just meet up for a coffee, you know, and have a chat. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's an interesting no, it's thing. Awesome. Yeah, it's good. And like, look, I have two girls myself. Yeah. And, and when it when it comes down to it, like, obviously, I don't think I, in any way, shape, or form, I, I was against women beforehand, and then I had two girls, and I'm like, oh, you know, women's yeah. right. Yeah. I was like, obviously, me being a black American, sure, I, I've always supported equality. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, no matter what what sport, no matter what situation you're in, or anything like that. So. Um, and like, I see it, especially in the hockey world here, mm. like, I, and like, I see it, but you see it in sports, like yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of like a big thing now. I think we have, you know, not only like female sportscasters are, you know, that's an old thing, but mm. I think like even having female coaches for male teams or different things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some female coaches that are probably more qualified, but it's just the whole dynamic male, female, this, that, mm. but yet you still have male coaches for female colleges yeah. for female professional teams. Yeah. 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 So, you know, if we're willing to go there and like, no, it's not like every man in those positions has acted appropriately. Mm. Um, I don't see why, you know, female coaches can be more presented at higher levels for male hockey. Oh, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. So, yeah. you know, as long as you, and like everyone can say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, like you know, maybe they, demand more respect or it's more this or that. But at the end of the day, there's plenty of women out there that like, I, like, like you said, that have the competence for roles and leadership that they should be able to have that opportunity to take it. Mm, no, I agree. It's, a, it's, it's, I think there's like an equation that, you know, can kind of be played out as we learn more as a society and things progress. Right. So I, I you know, to a certain degree, you know, the world is still very immature, right? Cause we, we we have like this sort of now this curve of like things come you know now moving so quickly it's very hard to keep up right um you know with with the rate at which technology and data and all the different things that are you know going on you know it's very easy for people just to live in like you know headlines and never go out of that and just really zombie out and become you know just kind of i don't know idiots right for lack of better description so but yeah. you can survive on you know headlines now you don't even need to know and have any depth to your knowledge really anymore in a lot of scenarios you can just get by and um you know it's like one of my big arguments is is like you know you got to work the muscle you know you can't just you can't just let your brain just 
kind of live off of junk food, right? And you got to yeah. get out there and you got to get amongst it. And, and really it requires like a, you know, hey, let's let's put that phone down for a second. You know, like you don't need it constantly to like define who you are to to come up with the answers you know like you if you're willing to go and learn you can recall answers but like even to the point now where i'm starting to see a pattern in, in not in everyone but in in some people where you know they have zero interest in and in being knowledgeable um you know they will just grab that phone immediately and look for the information if you you know if you challenge them to say hey no, let's talk it out let's see if we can't recall it you know it's like a total reluctance to do so but they don't have yeah. the ability to learn and and absorb information anymore it's starting to like kind of not pull anything in you know and then the ability yeah, to like, tell a story right? yeah yeah no it, it's funny how you say that because like it, it, like I like having those conversations, and when it comes down to it, there's something within the. Like obviously, you could go to like, like to the roots of human nature of mm. having conversations and learning and growing and, and and gaining wisdom from other stories or other perspectives. Yeah, uh, I think everything's so polarized now that you just yeah. like like you said, it's just you throw out something and it's just one way and it's just that. But I'm. I like to hear other people's point of views. Mm. It's not often where I would say, you know, it has to be this way or you, where you just close your mind off to a certain opinion or anything, because yeah. I think every, like everyone has their own story and from their side of things and from their views of life and from everything that they've gone through, that's what they believe. And like, and even just like you said, either researching or just being able to learn off other people, mm. I think that's a skill in itself yeah. and, not, and being able to attain information mm. without viewing that it is right, wrong, or if it's an attack against you. Yeah. Like information is, can be information. And, mm. and also, okay, if you feel this way or if you think this way, are you only doing that on the basis of feelings or like what do you have behind that that, that makes it true? Like me and my wife, we have these conversations all the time. I'm more black and white. She's more feeling based as mm. you know, a lot of male, female <laughs> counterparts are, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. um, you know, it's just, I don't, I like, I need to work on like the emotional side of things mm. and, you know, and the empathy side of things. I sometimes I, I lack that. Mm. And in, in this, it's taking empathy within the, the information that you get. Mm. And it's also, you know, processing that. And it's also being able to, you know, being able to factualize things. So. Yeah. Yeah. But the greatest step any one person can make in going down any path of trying to better, better themselves is just first saying that they need to do some work, right. That sort of admission yeah. point, you know, without getting like totally AA in the steps or whatever, but like admitting, <laughs> admitting it is the first step, right? Because, you know, like my whole hypothesis for this entire podcast and this journey that I'm on with this whole thing is, is that, you know, there's this point and with, I've, I've had it with a fair few people, but more recently with my wife where, you know, there was a pattern where, you know, she had this habit of, you know, kind of really holding things inside of her head for a long time, really creating this inner monologue and inner dialogue around like how this was and how the whole world was wired. But then at the point at which I was able to kind of get her to admit it and put it on the table, 
um, she was then all of a sudden held accountable and had an evolution or a moment where she could evolve herself as a person and, and become the next thing, right? And, and, and then all of a sudden had an accountability for that so that she was forced into a change, you know? You know, denial is an insane thing, right? And our little denial uh, engine inside is a, is a monster, right? So you can easily keep talking yourself into doing stupid shit every day. It's very yeah. easy to do. And if no one knows you're doing that, then all of a sudden it's very easy to make it happen again and again and again and continue to make the same decisions over and over again. Now, sometimes that's good. And I actually believe denial is a fantastic tool in some scenarios because it kind of can save you from some shit. But in other scenarios where it's sort of negative stuff and, you're, and, and you know in your mind it's not working, but you keep going through it again and again and again and hating yourself – you know, the moment at which you admit that to someone and share that, um, you become accountable and it becomes a point at which you can actually shift and make a change, you know? So, you know, it doesn't have to be super negative. It could just be like, no, I recognize this thing about myself and, you know, that thing's got to be met. I got to figure it out. But sometimes just articulating it to a person is enough to push you over into the next bit, which is, yeah, now I'm going to integrate. Now I'm going to do some stuff and make some changes. Um, mm. and that's a lot of what this is about is just hearing these stories, man, because the whole point is, is like people listening, you know, it's just like, they just want to be kind of hear that stuff. And I think transference of information happens in just listening and telling stories. Right. Um, oh, the art of that is disappearing quickly. I think, um, you know, with the reality TV and all the stuff that's going on where it's super, super manufactured. Right. Um, yeah, and, you have to put, you have to put. Uh, quotes around reality TV. Uh, oh yeah, I literally <laughs> did not, that in my room. By the way, here I I yeah. air quoted when I said it, man. Air quote, yeah, yeah. reality really, TV. Yeah, reality. Yeah. No, but it, it's kind of funny because I, I view denial as a coping mechanism. Uh, yep. Because you know, essentially, once you go from denial and you actually you know want to address it, then, like once you get out of denial, then you actually have to address it. You almost mm -hmm. have to. You can't put it on it. If you deny something, you can give as many reasons or excuses for why it is what it is, and you never have to look into yourself. Mm. But then once you, you know, get rid of the denial, then, you you know, obviously, you kind of open the wound. Now you can actually do something, which yeah. for some people, you know, that means, you know, maybe admitting, you know, a shortcoming of yourself or something that you didn't want to admit or almost didn't want to view. Yeah. I guess for you, you know, like, um, I, I, you know, this means just having a conversation. I guess when do you feel that denial goes from, you know, when is denial a good thing or like when mm. is it a, like, obviously if it's a bad thing, if, you know, you're not self-aware yeah. of, you know, what reality is, mm -hmm. but then when can that denial, I guess, be a positive thing? Yeah. Know? So in, in, in the, the, so in my life, there are points at which I could emotionally uh, let my emotions override or my values model or my mindset be adjusted whereby I overinvest in a thing because I believe that the value and the measure of that is to, to you know, is, is the right thing at the time. So let's say in your career, right? You want to play career yep. politics and you're going after it, but you're up against a bunch of monsters and the whole thing is really fucking gross to deal with, right? But that's what you want to do and it starts to get gross. In order to go through that, to get where you want to go, you have to enlist a level of denial 
to then move through that moment, right? You got to deny aspects of the things that you don't like to get where you want to go. So if that's what you choose to do with your life, and I know I painted that as really negative, but like the reality of it, some people want to play that game. I don't. But um, if you want to play that game, there's aspects of what you have to deal with, which are pretty shit. And you have to almost leverage denial in that way to kind of move to get to where you want to go. And you may have like, you know, altruistic ideas about how you might want to change the culture as a result of where you get to and then go back and whatever. But denial can also be used as a padding mechanism to kind of go, you know what, like I could invest in that and it might derail everything you're working on. Because when you see the reality of a situation, it may just be too too much to or too distracting, right? Um, in other scenarios, you know, you might have to, uh, you know, like kids sport, right? I go to kids sports. I got uh, parents around me that I don't really, you know, engage with, but there's a reason I do because I don't really like the way that they go about doing what they do. I don't agree with it. I don't buy into their model of parenting their kids through their sporting experience. So I have to enlist yeah. a fair whack of denial to go to the sport to kind of go, you know, like as long as I just don't believe in it and, and don't engage in it and don't let myself go with it, then it's easier for me to yeah. go to these things. But as soon as I do, it really goes, do I want to go? Do I really want to be there? You know, like, God, it, it almost can be worse to go and then sit through it knowing that, you know, my kids aren't even going to know real, like they knew that I'm there, but you know, it's like a giant, say a big rugby game, you know, like they don't really know I'm there. They just know I'm there. Right. So what I'm doing yeah. is a spectator, you know, it's like, so there's areas at which I think denial can be quite helpful in, in a certain sense yeah. to kind of move through life in a productive sense. You know, I, you know, yeah. I need to deal with life. Sometimes I enlist a little bit of there, you know, like, but denial with a negative connotation is I think the worst mix, but I think you're right. It's about once you get, you know, it, you know, call that out um, and, and kind of look at the wound of it and then do something about it. I mean, that's really the moment, right? That's like a yeah. human evolution thing. And I think that's where, you know, lots of people struggle with that stuff, you know, and, and admitting it, you know, and having that admission point. Um, but what I'm, one of the things I'm trying to say is, is like, you know, don't be afraid to, to say that shit to someone you trust. Right. I think as a society now, we are very worried about failure and we're very worried about what we look like. And with the noise of the internet, you have a lot more things saying, oh no, I'm not good enough, or I'm not doing things well enough, or I'm not going to achieve that. Or, you know, there's so many other with in, you know, data points coming out, you're going, Hey, you know, you're, you know, don't do that because you, you know, somebody else already did it. You know, I, it happens to me all the time where I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. Like, just because somebody has gone out there and talked like this, why shouldn't I, you know, talked about these concepts. There's a lot of people that talk about this stuff. Why, you know, and then I've covered off things. I'm reading this book called, um, uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Uh, I'm getting that. I, I got the audio book. That's yeah. my next one. Yeah. So <laughs> like, but, but I steered clear of this uh, for so much time because when it came out, a lot of people would say to me, and one of my, the funniest things about, I think life is when people tell you who you are, like they have this version of you. <laughs> so it's like, I had a lot of people going, Oh, Joe, that's your book. Like that's, that's exactly who you are. Like in the context of work. Right. And, um, because I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I, I play it truthfully. I, I call out what I see, you know, I'm productive. Yeah. I do things, but I only care about the stuff that, you know, like I deal with it. And it's really like, basically people think that I don't give a fuck about a lot of stuff, but actually, you know, the whole book is about actually caring a lot about a lot of stuff. But the whole point is, is like, you know, that's what it is. But I held off reading it because I was like, well, I don't want, like, I bought this weird thing with the book where I'm like, I shouldn't read it because then what if it changes me? You know, what if it, it alters me, you know, or what if I already know it? And then it's like, so it's like one of these things. So I, I said, fuck it over the holidays. I was like, I'm going to read it. 
So I want to see what it's all about, you know, and mainly because yeah. I was reading it because I want to give it to my wife to read because it's something I think it would be beneficial to her. Um, and, yeah. and and whilst it's very similar and it echoes a lot of who I am as a person and, and my, my views on a lot of stuff, it's an interesting thing because, um, you know, my fear one of the things that I feel like that kick in these little anxiety fears that'll kick in will be like, you know, uh, people that don't go and do a thing because someone else has already done it. And you're like, Oh, well, I guess I might not do it as well as that, you know? And those are like little echoes that will happen with me. But oftentimes I'll say, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do it anyways. I'll have a crack. Um, which is yeah. kind of a nice mo- way to deal with it. But you know, it's well, like, you got to seven to the, you got to seven to the arena. Like, I, I don't know, play. like, like, I don't know the exact quote, but it, it's just, it just goes about, you know, you're, you're more of a man to be in the arena doing something than the person than the person on the outside judging will ever be. And like, yep. trust me, man, I've had to say that just from a social media point, they, even though this is about being unplugged, but like you mentioned, because of social media and because everyone has an opinion mm. and because, you know, two thumbs can destroy someone's day and how they feel. Yeah. They, like, you know, there's been plenty of times where I'm doing something, but yet because I'm doing something, someone can comment or, reply back i've had old teammates say stuff to me yeah and you know and like we haven't talked in ages i'm like but it wasn't something like positive like hey like obviously you get a lot of positivity but it's only negative stuff that sticks to you that's right but yeah. you know at least i'm in there arena and i've had to go through that whole like you know it's been years and i'm better at it now mm. way better like i literally don't give up what you think like, i'm just gonna put it out there yeah but for, for so many reasons it was just it, like, it, it gets to you, like, and it, it like that stuff would linger for days, almost yeah. weeks. Of a friend that made it, like, someone that, like, I don't want to consider him a friend, but an old teammate that, mm. like, oh, you know, well, why are you putting this? This isn't relevant, or this or that. Yeah. Knowing the game of ice hockey is always changing. At least I'm actually putting something out there. Like, yeah. when you put yourself out there, like, okay, you put yourself out there. I know, like, youth gets a lot of anxiety influencers get a lot of people in general get anxiety but at the end of the day you have to realize if someone has if like if there's something for someone to judge at least you're doing something yeah you know and yeah so like even when it comes down to, like you said like people will say things but at the end of the day at least you're trying it who mm. cares if someone else has done it yeah like if that's what you want to do then scratch that itch so then there's no regret when you're 80 years old, 90 years old, because I, you know, I, not, and I guess that's the big reason for me, like wanting to hop back on the ice. Mm. I feel like I would regret if I did, Yeah, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, think, it's not the person that it, does. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, 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 you know, like I just think it's interesting that even when you think like, even though I thought, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty good. I go for it, but I still have the echo. Right. And I'll still second guess it, you know, and it's like, it doesn't really matter. I, I just think it's an interesting, it's a composition of the human mind that kind of keeps you locked or free. And it's a funny business when, you know, we live in a world where it's like, oh, fucking, you know, what if I, you know, I go out there, put myself out there and what, what's going to happen, you know? Um, and I'm trying <laughs> to change that. I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going, I'm going for anything and everything. It's kind of what I came out of like 2019, you know, cause I started this and I've done things like this before, but you know, so I was like, you know what? 
2020, like, fuck it, whatever. I'm going to go for whatever it is I feel like doing. It's like a really old man that just doesn't give a fuck anymore. You know, he just says whatever he wants. Like, I'm on the, I've been on the verge of it for so long that I'm like, you know what? I'm doing this now. This is going to happen. I'm like, fuck it. I'm doing it. This is going to get a little bit nuts, you know, because there's a, there's a couple things in the, like, I do this one with the interview format, which is fun because I like talking to people. I like to hear about people's stuff. And, uh, but then I had this other sort of tinfoil hat, uh, podcast. That's like just unplug yourself. It's like, it's my issue with like a particular topic. And then I just kind of like do a 15 minute spout off about a bunch of weird shit I've connected together that kind of really kind of spins me, you know, out and then makes me think about yeah. stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a funny business. Um, wait, we'll, we'll circle back because I think it's an interesting thing about you know putting yourself out there and doing a thing and like obviously we did touch on you know you come to Australia playing hockey at a real high level uh, and then coming here which is it's a fringe sport um, obviously you know like I know you because of, of hockey and then you've obviously set up NSA um, but that's that's not your day job like you're a, I want to say you're an, in, an engineer but I don't know if I'm right about that oh look I study chemical engineering okay. but uh but like what we do is more on like the geo side of things. Right, so right. like we touch soil and we touch That's right. concrete, you know, for right. yep. civil projects. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, uh, I guess you can say reduce my days there. So look, you know, <laughs> obviously I'm trying to get the boat close enough to shore. Yeah. And it, it's kind of weird like that. I, I, I really believe in speaking things out. Mm. So I like to call that my part time and yeah. full time coach. So right. that's uh that that's I guess you could consider my side hustle and you know my true um, profession would be you know coaching. But yeah, I do that and like that it does take time. Um, I remember like earlier days. Yeah, I would be doing that full time. Get finish a day of work, hop in the car, drive down to Sydney. Yeah, be on the ice for two hours, hop back in the car, drive back up to Newcastle. So. You, yeah, that is a question for you. How many kilometers have you got on your car? Man, I, I don't know. Like I <laughs> just, I, I just drive it as long as uh, it's, as long as it's good. Like we have like a family car that you know I keep the case low on that, okay, but yeah, outside of that, I can only imagine. You got your hockey mode like, then, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Funny. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I've, I, I do check your socials and, uh, you know, cause I'll, I'll see something from you and there'll be times where it's just dark roads driving on your story. And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking, that's JFK, man. He, he'd be traveling between two towns <laughs> and it's yeah. like three 30 AM. I'm like, this guy is fucking crazy. It's three 30 in the morning. Yeah. What is he doing? <laughs> Off to the zoo. I'm like, Jesus, this guy's working. This guy's working far out. Blows my mind. I'm just like, well, cool, man. That's it. So talk to me about the inspiration for NSA. Like, was that something you always thought you'd do when you came to Australia or did this come up while you were here? Oh, uh, look, I, like, there was one time, I think my senior year in college or yeah. junior year, I want to say my senior year, where we went through the room in the locker room and we all set our goals, like our yeah. long-term goals in the locker room. And I said, I wanted to run, you know, the biggest ice hockey academy in the world. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so like I've always known that I wanted to do development and I would say my passion for it came from when I would do summer camps and like I would help yeah. out and, and like camps have been a big part of my development, mm -hmm. you know, and that's mm -hmm. another story where essentially, um, I went from being like an in-house player to trying out for a triple A team mm -hmm. and I was around the ages of eight or nine and like, you know, like back home, like the whole play up thing, you didn't have to like, you know, sign a document and get it, you know, 
return by the prime minister in order for you to play up a year. So, right. Right. Uh, and, and for, <laughs> for us, it's just, it was, if you were just talented, you could do it. So yeah. I was playing prime, like two years off. I was playing with kids that are my sister's age. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I was doing well there, you know, they're like, uh, you sure about this? My dad wanted to challenge me. So we did. Yeah. Long story short, I, I got cut. When I did my first tryout for the triple A team, they're like, mm-hmm. you're good, but you know, you're not good enough for our team. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm used to being big dog at my place. So, uh, I went to two hockey camps mm. that summer. I worked my tail off and then I came back like best defenseman on the team. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. and then ever since then, I've always been doing camps, doing stuff in Toronto mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and things. So like, that's where my passion for hockey camps come. I, I love it. Um, just the interaction with the players. I was being a young player growing up. I always enjoyed the coaches that we had. Mm. And then when I started doing uh, camps myself, like 16, 17, 18, and uh, traveling the country with uh, Northern Edge, um, it, it, my passion built for it. And yeah. so, um, so I've always known I wanted to do that. Yeah. And you know, and then you come here and you see that there's a massive need. Yeah. Huge. And then uh, you know, and then and that that's kind of how things. Uh, I guess evolved from there and then when I came to Newcastle there's another gentleman named uh, Dave Ferrari oh, who yeah, was yeah. already here yep. and uh, he just came back from being in Canada and he did a, you know, a fair bit of uh, coaching there mm. and you know he, 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 he the bug kind of hit him as well and he wanted to do more for the local community so sure. we both you know the stars aligned uh, we started working together and you know what? After this podcast, I'll probably have to send you a photo of like our first camp. Yeah. And then I'll send you a photo of like our big camp in July. And it's just it's kind of funny, you know, like it's not as big as like the Jeff Bezos Amazon picture. Have sure. you seen that one? Yeah, I have seen that one. Yeah. 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 You know, where you just see him in a room with this like ghetto painted Amazon.com, yeah. like yeah. poster on the board. Yeah. Yeah. But you see our first camp and then you see where we're at and then where we're at now. Mm. And it's just, you know, nearly night and day so it's good to see things are progressing for us it's good yeah and man it's good to get those visuals right it's good to get that that feedback loop going yeah this is going in the direction that is so awesome that you have like a actual fixed point uh where you set a goal that uh didn't just disappear you know what i mean like you could you kind of had to have a journey but you could circle back and hit it by you know wanting to do you know i guess the the greatest training you know camps in the world or academy in the world yeah. i mean like is is that the dream is that where you want to hit you want to get that big? right like, like, it's not so much, like i guess to be you know i feel that's the moving target yeah, yeah. and for us <clears throat> for us you know maybe like if it gets there and i'm in my 50s and you know i'm watching other things great but i'm always going to push and like and when you say the biggest academy what does that mean you know, yeah, yeah, does that mean yeah. you have most facilities or things like that? Mm. Um, I, you know, in my immaturity, I would say it's kind of a vague thing. You know, I was mm. always thinking the biggest country. Well, yeah. I, I, that's why I said the biggest in the country. Yeah, referring right. to the USA when I right. said it. But right. <laughs> essentially, I guess you could say I've already hit that mark here. But yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true, comes- though. That's true. <laughs> that's uh, very interesting um, that that's the case. Yeah, yeah, no, but you know, um, obviously it's just, um, I, I just want to be able to affect players. Like, I just want to be able to affect the game and players mm. in a, in a positive way. I, I know how, how much a good coach can, you know, help the trajectory of a kid. 
Mm. I know how much sports can help a kid get through, you know, life situations and give them a positive outlet. Yep. Um, you know, having teammates and, and going through different things, you know, throughout the season. So because of that, I just want to share that with anyone else that I can. Yeah. So I guess that, that's where that comes from. But I guess it, it, it's also, and it's kind of a weird thing. Like you said, when you're on the ice and everything's happening, mm. it's a way for you to unplug from life, you know? Yeah, 100%. There's nothing else that matters. It's just you're there mm. and you're present. And you don't have to worry about a fight that you have with your girlfriend. You mm. don't have to worry about a bad day that you have with a parent. Mm. You don't have to worry about the failed test or unemployment. or You don't have to worry about the crap. All you know is there's five guys on the ice. Yep. You're going to number five and a goalie, and you're trying to put that puck in the net. Yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, and it, it's just such a fast sport. There's so many things happening. For one second, you can be on offense. You know, it's just, there's so much. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that I guess that's why, you know, it's been such a, a critical part of my life. Mm. Man, it's huge. And that's awesome, dude. That's really cool. Like, I actually... I didn't realize that, you know, like I, I, I knew you wanted to do bigger things with it. I know I've talked, we've talked about that in the past. Um, and I knew it was always a shifting sort of dial between, you know, kind of the, what you were, what were you doing here originally versus wanting to do this on a full-time basis. Um, but that's, that's, I mean, I think that's probably one of the most impactful, I would actually rate this as probably one of the more impactful things I've seen, like probably broadly speaking, uh, since I've been in Australia from a, from a sort of someone doing a thing and actually influencing groups of people in that regard, like as a, as a compliment to the effort. Mm. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I appreciate it. And mm. I guess it comes down from a vision, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like being able to see something and, and then being able to, to step towards it. But like, I, I'm definitely standing on the, the shoulders of giants and other people that, have done other things before me that mm. have done things to help us. Like you, you would know like your club, mm. um, other clubs that see what we're doing and then get on board. Cause yeah. just as much as people could have helped us, you know, we've had people that felt threatened by us yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and therefore they feel like we're trying to take their shine or they, they view coaching as always being a volunteer thing. Therefore, they kind of disagree with our model of doing stuff and sure. providing professional coaching. So, and, and like, and we've hit so many roadblocks, man. Like mm. we, so many roadblocks comes down to it. And it, it, and I don't like, and maybe I was in denial of what we're doing or mm. perspective or anything like that. Just kind of like some full circle of our conversation. But mm. I, I guess maybe I was in denial in some cases, but I, I feel like, that denial of uh, like I was in denial of us doing anything wrong. Like yeah. I know my heart intention was there. Yeah. So we're, I know we're going to make mistakes. I know we're not, gonna, <clears throat> I know we're, we're going to do things that rub other people wrong. But I feel like if, if, if your heart's in it mm. for the right reasons, mm-hmm. then, but then again, it's just like, I could be telling myself, I could be doing mental gymnastics to make sure that, you know, I, I like, that is quote unquote right for me. But I, I honestly truly believe that it's about the kids and it's about their development and it's mm. about the players. So I feel like I can't go wrong if I keep that as my true North. Yeah. Well, and I, and I don't disagree. I mean, I, I, I've never, you know, in the experience of I, I've had with this whole thing, 
um, it's never been a question in my mind that that wasn't the case. And I think it's interesting mm-hmm. because, you know, like the, the only analogy I can think of, which is just seems kind of dumb, but it's also interesting in itself. At one point in time, email wasn't invented. And, you know, the postal service was threatened by it. You know what I mean? But then email became mm-hmm. a norm because, you know, that was the fastest way to move information around. Letters were became obsolete, right? But then when email was invented and that was part of business and became ingrained in businesses, um, you know, the uh, the BlackBerry came out. So you could have email in your pocket. And then all of a sudden there was this whole other augmented reality of now emails everywhere. You know, it's just not on a computer that's locked in an office. It's now in your pocket with you all the time and the disruption of what that is. And to be honest, when I look at this NSA thing, you know, it's the appropriate disruption that was inevitable and required to try to push the, you know, this hockey in Australia up. Right. Um, Because it's, it's what it it's what it needs. It needs to be disrupted completely disrupted and flipped around. Um, you know, and I think that in, in doing what you're doing, which is actually just cutting straight across the entire set, right. Is that you, you, in a weird way, because you're not like owning a team or part of any affiliated to any club, or there's no real biases in that regard. You're just here for the players. Everybody gets a good benefit from that. If they're willing to accept the fact that this is the appropriate level of disruption to give players what they want so that clubs maintain hockey players. Because fundamentally, it's a numbers game. You know what I mean? Um, there's like 5,000 people in Australia that play hockey, right? It's like like 5,500 people. It's such a small number. Um, such a small number. <laughs> that they know of, right? But like, even if it's 6,000, it's still too small to like make, you know, to have the numbers required to like have a competitive, you know, top level, you know, national teams and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a long way away from being in a, a sphere, but what it, what's unique about it is, is that as a community, the people are hugely impassioned by being players. They love the fact that they can go and brag about it, you know, at all levels, you know, from kids all the way up to adults and, you know, having someone come in and go, no, let's organize this with camps. I mean, I take it back to when I was a kid, I used to dream of going to hockey camp, by the way. Um, oh yeah. And I mean, I remember Iowa. getting the flyers, you know what I mean? Like there was like yeah. flyers you could get and all the catalogs would come out for all the different camps you could go to. And it was like, some yeah. of them were like, go stay away camps. And some were like weekend camps. And I remember just like going, can I go? You know what I mean? Like, and I wasn't <laughs> yeah. like, it was too expensive. You know what I mean? Like even for me, like it was like, my dad was like, nah, we can't send you. But then I got to go to a couple camps. A few camps came into my hometown, uh, which were really cool. So we got lucky because um, the guy that owned our rink, he owned the North Stars. Uh, or part owner of the North Stars, and 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 then when sold them off to Dallas, and then picked up part ownership with the Sharks, so we had this really big influential thing. So there was like the ninety four or ninety three. I don't know. There's a big lockout in the NHL, and yep. uh, Wayne Gretzky and Brett Hull and the San Jose Sharks came to my hometown and just played hockey in my rink. You know, so we had this like really weird, <laughs> like hyper influential, like kind of like thing. One of the kids' dads um, was like an ex-American uh, hockey, uh, Olympic hockey player. So he played in like, not the 1980, but the 84 Olympic team. So he'd just come okay. skate fucking circles around us with flat blade, <laughs> with a flat blade hockey stick and those old aluminum leather boots. And he would just fuck us up, man. It was insanity. So like, it was like we were exposed to such interesting things. But um, I got to go away a couple camps, but it's just such a it's a jarring and really unique experience to go be thrown out of your element in something totally different. Um, you know, and I think that's what you create, you know, you create a reality bearing, uh, for a lot of kids, they go and they're amongst 
kids that they would normally compete against, but then they're flat with. Um, they have to, you know, see themselves toe to toe with, uh, and, and have a different respect game, which I think is a very good thing to have. And, you know, it's a good platform, man. I, I, you know, I wish you all the best with that. Um, cause that's, I think it's what's required here. It's, it's a definite thing in SA camps. NSA. NSA. Man, that was a good, that was a good blur. No. Yeah. yeah. NSA. <laughs> oh man. Cool, buddy. Well, I mean, Hey, like that's a good run. I, I appreciate the time. Oh dude. Absolutely. Appreciate the time too. And like, now I'm about, to, I'm just going to end up randomly calling you. I'm like, Hey Joe, I, I need a good conversation. Let's go. Call me whenever you want, man. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> open to that. I give, I give to the people that want it. Uh, that's what I do. No. That's how that's in my remit. That's my life. Uh, you know, normally people don't make the call, right? They'll talk themselves out of it. So you want to talk to me, you give me a holler. Let me know. No, absolutely, buddy. No, this has been so much fun. And I guess, uh, and what's your uh, long-term goal for, uh, for this, for this podcast and, and everything that you're doing with it? Well, so that that's the interesting part. So I didn't really know where I wanted to go, but as a, as a result of doing this, there's some things that have gelled in my, in my life and, that I've thought about doing in the past, never really had a, like, like you talked about that sort of mental North star. And, um, mm-hmm. so this I have, I'm literally looking at a, I went and bought a whiteboard, man, you know, a rolly whiteboard that you'd get in a boardroom. And I'm now mapping out a potential book that I'm going to write that has to do with kind of an analogy that I have going, which is, um, how to survive a, a zombie apocalypse, which is what I believe we're living in right now. And um, as an analogy, you know, like if you think about what you have yep. to do to survive yep. life, it really is like surviving a zombie apocalypse now. So it's about telling the story of like kind of that through the eyes of if we were all in a zombie apocalypse, how would you make it, um, you know, and, and dealing with that. Uh, primarily because I'm sick of walking behind people using their phone and just drunkenly walking down the street you know and i'm just like can we just yeah. stop people seriously like where where have we gone here um yeah. you know it's kind of like a crazy old guy but the idea is kind of well, there's two tracks one is that the other thing that's kind of jelling in my mind is is um also I, I like talking to people i like to mental coach as well uh there's, okay. a, there's a thing about that that i find unique and i've spent a lot of my life talking to people and providing unique perspective when they're being honest about it, not, you know, just trying to get, you know, just dump, but like sometimes, you know, people and people that generally live in my closer circle, you know, they tend to tell me more things, talk to me about more stuff. And I'm tend to be that guy that kind of listens a lot. Here's the thing and says, well, you know, have you ever thought that it's because, you know, this is a thing that you're struggling with and that that thing is actually simply connecting you to this inability to walk this way. And like, if you just were to look at your world a little bit differently from this perspective, you might find that you could step forward here. And then they, uh, you know, there's always those light bulb moments I see in people's eyes are like, fuck, you're right. Like, what if I do do that differently? And so there's that sort of thing where I kind of have this weird ability to unpick brains a little bit and talk to people about their shit. I would, without like restarting the conversation, because I'm thinking we're like almost like <laughs> diving deeper. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? I guess gives you that ability. Do you think it's just your rationale to be able to, like, I guess separate? I don't know, like separate the person from their situation and be able to like just look at it. Like, I guess how how do you rationalize people well, that I, makes I think, it clear for them? I think the only thing I can say is that there's this one story that I have that has always resonated with me about who I am as a person. And I used to work for my dad in his shop. He was a cabinet maker, a big shop, 
all these big tools, you know, and I always was in and out of there, you know, learning how to do shit, but mainly milling wood, sweeping floors, doing bits and pieces. But he had me working for him for a time. And he had this giant um, belt sander to sand, like big doors and big cabinet doors and all different shit. And he had like three or four guys working for him. And he, at one point in time, we were all working and we were working late because we were grinding. I think we were doing this job for, ironically, Bruce Willis because uh, he owned parts of our town. Another part of the story. But, <laughs> I think we were working hard to get this work done and getting all this shit in play. And um, and the belt sander uh, broke. It stopped. It seized. And nothing was, it was going to stop all the production. And it wasn't a huge production, but it was enough to really kind of fuck us up. And, um, you know, I've always been someone who gets right into things, but, you know, they're all standing around looking at it. It's a pretty complicated, expensive piece of machinery. It was pretty new to the, my dad's shop. And they're all sitting there and I kept saying, guys, you know, like guys, and they kept pushing me back because I was just a kid. I was, I was probably about 14 years old or whatever, but, um, I was like, guys, you know, this, and it just got to the point where they were all, couldn't figure it out. It was all this sorts of thing. And I literally kind of visualized i remember seeing it in my mind because i could you could open the doors and see everything that was moving inside of it obviously it stopped and i could see all the parts of it in my mind and i could see where the, the issue was holding it up and i just reached in and i moved this thing out of the way uh did it and i pressed the button and the whole machine came back on and i think the thing about the, why I tell that story and why it meant so much to me is because yeah. one, it blew my dad's mind because they were so dismissive of me. They didn't even engage with me. And, and, and at yeah. that point in time, my dad had this realization that I wasn't just something standing there. I actually absorbed way too many things at once. And so I think what ends up happening is I, I, I pull a lot of things together at one time and I can hear many different things happening. And I also hear what people aren't saying when they're saying something. And so oftentimes I, I will say something to someone and say, what are you really saying to me? Like, why are you saying it like that? In my mind, I go, what you're saying to me is almost the opposite of what I think you're intending to try to do, or you're positioning this in a way to make it okay or whatever. So I think because I can kind of deal with a lot of things at once, see a lot of things happening at the same time, I connect those dots very quickly. And then I end up asking questions that make people uncomfortable. And, you know, in a, in a safe way and it ends up unpacking things in a, for people in a different way. So I think that's kind of something that I've always liked and I get a huge kick out of doing, um, because it feels not like, not in a selfish way, but it makes me feel good that I'm doing something for somebody. I like to leave a footprint, right? I don't want to be just moved through and forgotten, you know? Um, so I like when moments matter and I like making connections with people and, you know, all those stuff kind of play out. But yeah, I think it's just well, my mind. I don't think I developed, I think it's just, I've always had it and, it, and I've yeah. always been very, uh, very inquisitive and in taking things apart, man. I literally took everything apart as a child and figured out how it worked. Um, and then put it back together again. And, and that was like literally what I did for a lot of my, my childhood. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Like, no, yeah, that's so to be honest, like that is awesome. It shows you that that is skill. Yeah, <laughs> there is a talent, and yeah, I, I I'm for you doing that. Obviously, you got something there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, the podcast made sense because it's just a place for me to just kind of go for it. Uh, you know, I'm pretty good at. Yeah, I'm going to start writing, writing more. Um, I did, I've done some um, blogging in the past, but now there's this one thing I call food for thought. So I'm writing those out and then I, I generally always write them out for the most part and then I record them. But now I'm going to do a blog version, a, a written version to kind of prep my mind to do more writing um, and construct a bit more. But uh, all this other stuff, I just do, you know, the seat of the pants and just let it ride because 
you know, I've always been able to kind of just get onto it and do stuff. Um, so it's a good outlet. It's a good outlet for me. I, I think <laughs> I still wonder, you know, like I always ask questions. I wonder who's listening to this. <laughs> Even though I can look at stats and well, data, but like I was about to say, I'm like, can't you look at the stats? <laughs> I can, but I don't like I like I don't really know who specifically. Like I ask oh, for engagement, yeah. and only a select number of people engage with it. You know, like actually get back to like will talk to me directly about it and engage uh, in the you know in the stuff that I'm doing more directly. It's more very passive, but there's a fair whack of people that listen to it. So surprisingly, you know, there's a there's a solid contingent of regular listening going on with my podcast, which I was I am actually quite flattered by. But, um, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, I'll often ask the question, you know, I'm going to keep doing this if you guys like it. But I'm, I'm really only talking to myself here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like alone in my room. You know? It's like a crazy man in his room. Just oh, like, going, hey, is anybody out there? <laughs> no, like, like you said, fuck. Word about this big thing. Yeah, it's sure. like once you hear something and you, you just pass it on, like, hey, hey, my wife, like, we're serial podcast. Yeah, right. And I, I'm just wondering, is this podcast kind of like, is that the, like, beyond 30 things to do? Like, I'm, I'm just wondering how many sub 25 year old people are listening to podcasts well, like I, I don't know the podcast demographic well there's more people picking it up because of the way you can um, take on the information it's a very different uh information uh learning experience so you can go to youtube and learn a lot of shit right you can't people, oh yeah but you know what I mean? Like, but it's a different thing. Whereas like, this is more around like going through an exploration of like information. Like you can go through a serial podcast. It's very serial. Um, and I like to and make the analogy that a good podcast is the great halfway point between reality TV and your favorite TV show that ended. And you're really upset about, you know what I mean? It's like kind of halfway in the middle there because it's a bit of reality. Like I talk a lot of truths. I'd say a lot of things that are very real and actually matter. You know, like one of the podcasts was about my wife and, and we had recently had a miscarriage and, you know, we've kind of actually in a way talked a lot about that and had, a, and we actually did a podcast where, you know, we went through that with her and talked about what she was going through and, you know, she's had a hard time and, you know, but she kind of said, yeah. I didn't ask her to do it. In my mind, I thought it might be pretty interesting for her to do because she's on a journey. Um, and I've been there very much in her life for it. Uh, but you know, she brought it to me. She goes, maybe I should do your podcast. Maybe we could do that. And I was like, well, if you want to, I was like, I mean, I think it could be really good for you. Um, because she couldn't hide and, you know, there's a lot of stuff she could get on the table and, and really kind of put out there so that it wasn't something she could, you know, like only do inside of her mind, you know? And, um, and anyway, so like, you know, we've, I've worn it that way. So there's like a lot of stuff where it's been very real. Like I interviewed my son and that was like probably one of the most coolest things I've done with him in his sort of teenage days because, you know, he, He's a unique guy, uh, you know, but at the same time, we'd never really spent that much time talking. And it's not that we don't have a good relationship, but it's like, yeah. you know, we both ended it after about an hour and went hour and a bit and just went, fuck, that's the longest we've ever talked to each other, like about stuff. And, uh, really? oh man, it was just so neat to hear who he was, to get him to talk in this context, to talk about how he perceives his life, how he perceives his sport, how he perceives coaching, how he, you know, he really had this really unique thing that he did. And, um, but unfortunately my ex-wife got mad about it and, and said, <laughs> you know, he's a minor. You shouldn't have done that. You know, you should have put it on the internet. He's just a kid. And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, but I'm his dad. Like, isn't that something I'm allowed to do? And it kind of went sour. So we took it off the internet and whatever. At the end of the day, you know, people said it was really good. They really liked it. So it was like one of those things where it's, you know, I've found it 
you know, as a platform uh, and as an engagement thing, all ages are getting into it. Like young, young kids aren't doing it. They're going to go on YouTube and whatever. But, um, yeah, but yeah. there's a subset of like, uh, I talk to a lot of grads. I talk to young 20s and they're very much into their podcast because it's a more intellectual way of learning, you know, by comparison to just cheap can't really trust the internet stuff, you know, uh, that's yeah. to say podcasts can probably be the same. I'm sure you can do, but you kind of tell when someone's talking, if they're, you know, overly sponsored, if they're only driving, you know, from a perspective, a very biased perspective, you can tell because they're talking, you know, for the most part, you know, it's not written. It's not, you know, in the same way as sort of, you know, news channels that are purely commercially driven. Um, yeah, exactly. you know, it's self-starters doing stuff. So, but yeah. Mm. Podcast. Yeah. You should check out um, the late night hockey league podcast. It's uh, me and this guy we've, um, cause he did this, uh, he set up the, we gave him some spare ice and, um, he set up like a late night hockey league and we gave him a couple, a couple oh, of nights. You're talking about the, you're talking about the Heyman brothers. Yeah. Heyman brothers. Yeah. 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 So oh, I work yeah, with yeah, Jamie. Yeah. I got Jamie, like me and this guy, Ash got Jamie to play hockey. He got totally junked on it. Now he's like created a league, but then I've done, <laughs> we've done a podcast just for the guys that play in the league. And we do it like yeah. once in a week where I recap the games. I've never been to a single game. <laughs> but I recap all the games off the stats, talk shit about everybody. Great hockey banter, right? Take the piss out of yeah. Jamie because he's like the commissioner telling he's fucking rigging the league. Like giving it they like they do all sorts of shit to like promote, like give the guys good experience. So we do a whole bunch of stuff. We always call we try to always call somebody that's a player, then interview them and ask them stupid shit and see what they're up to. We talk shit about people that comment on on Facebook, like you know, anybody that's engaged. And then, um, and all that. So yeah, but then I've been just talking heaps of shit on Jamie's team because they were like, his team was the team that was winning all the time. And I'm just like, you're yeah. fucking rigging it, mate. This is bullshit. He even did a, like a, a, a draft. He didn't do a draft. He did a trade window, like early on the season, trying to balance it all out. So I was fucking with him and all. And they just had their, um, their final playoff. They played two playoff games and it was based mm -hmm. on goal count. Whoever got the most goals in the two games would go to the finals. Oh yeah. I hate when they do those games. Yeah. It was like, uh, it's the worst. It's like, weird. Yeah. It's weird. And I was like, why are they, what the fuck are you doing? I called it the fluffer game. It's like the first game's a fluffer game. I was like, what the fuck is it for? You know, just play the one game then. Like, what does it matter? Just put it on the line. But I guess he had extra time or whatever you wanted to do it that way. And um, yeah. that anyways, the bottom teams, the teams that got the worst, the, the third and fourth place team beat the underdogs won. So I was like, I predicted that definitely that the punks, that his team would go, they're going to get fourth place. And uh, so I've been talking all this shit, man. It's been so fun. It's a hilarious <laughs> podcast because it's like, I don't even know. Like, I only know everybody through the podcast. Literally, that's And it. the thing about it, like, because I've been there, like, because of our sessions that we had. Yeah, right. Uh, during the during the half, first half of the season, um, I was there on late uh, late night Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah, Tuesday, yeah, yeah, Tuesday. So I I would see them. I had a little this little piece of pizza, yeah, had yeah, some yeah. of the, Grab a young the other treats. I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I even saw Joe there, but yeah, no, yeah, go figure. No. No, well, I just, I hooked Jamie up with the time, you know, and I was just like, I, I kind of pulled him into the club and just said, look, I can help you kind of establish a thing if that's what you want to do. And I'm sure we can give you extra time. And like when we end our seasons and we'll make it work. And, and then I've given him heaps of advice about like what to do. And, um, you know, cause he's always, you know, like whinging and moaning about, you know, the, the throws of hockey and all that, like getting things organized. So I was helping him with that stuff, but he's done a lot of it off his own. I very little to do with what he's functionally done. Um, outside of just giving him guidance and advice, 
bit of mentorship about some stuff. But then I'm like, dude, we should totally do a podcast where I just talk shit all the time. <laughs> this will be, be brilliant. And we just did it. This will be brilliant. It's like, because we've got good, like decent kind of like bullshit chatty chemistry because we work together every, like every day anyways. So I was like, this could yep. be really fun to do. And there's like, it's hilarious. People love it. They're like, can't wait for it every week. It's super funny, man. Cause like, I don't know. We interviewed a guy like we, I just make up weird nicknames for people, you know, like proper, just chirpy hockey banter bullshit, like to the best of my ability. But like, it's yeah. so funny. Like I'll just make fun of people, give them stupid nicknames when I'm reading the stats, start calling people out for being thugs. That's just hilarious. Just too many things you could do with it. So yeah, I'll send you the link. It's worth a listen just for the, see if oh, it's, see if it's for the drive, just for fun. That's uh, funny. Exactly. Shit. And you know, I'm on the road funny. So. I know. I know. No wonder you do podcasts. Hey, Oh, All right, buddy. I'll let you go, but I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate this, and I've had a lot of fun on this podcast. And even though it's not a quote unquote show, yeah, uh, there's still episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? If you want to call the show, call the show. I'm gonna call the show. I call it my show. This is my show. This is what I'm doing my show, <laughs> the Joe Show. <laughs> All right, mate. I'll let you go, but I really appreciate it, man. Not a problem, Joe. Cheers, Talk buddy. To you, man. Talk to you, buddy. Bye. Yeah. Well, there you go. That is uh, the conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, the John Kennedy Jr., a.k.a. JFK, that guy from NSA. Um, it was a good call. It was a, it was a call, a good interview. Uh, it was a phone call. Uh, and, I, and I had a lot of fun catching up with, with John, getting to know him a little bit better, and uh, kind of deep diving into how he moved through the trials and tribulations of his sort of hockey career, how he kind of moved through the idea of, you know, creating an academy from a young age and kind of had a dream around something like that, you know, a goal, and then kind of meeting that goal. Kind of two interviews in a row where people kind of had that young thought that at a younger age and, you know, reached for that and made it, you know, to a certain degree really started to achieve an aspect of it. You know, last week with, with Britt and um, wanting to get be the girl in the DVDs and, and achieving the goal and then JFK sitting in the locker room saying he wanted to build the biggest hockey academy in the world, you know, kind of concept and then and then doing so in, uh, in Australia of all the places in the world to do hockey. Um, so it just kind of goes to show that, you know, anything is possible. Uh, you just have to work hard for it. Um, I oftentimes think about myself and, and what where I go with things and how hard I work. I mean, some stuff I work really hard at and some stuff I kind of stab in the dark at and hope for the best. You know, it's a constant sort of an imposter syndrome thing that I have going on around things like this. Um, but that being said, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my portable whiteboard and, and the plot of a book that I'm going that I want to write. I've always wanted to challenge myself to write something, but I never had a clear end to end picture, just a lot of starts and stops. Um, but this time I'm, you know, kind of set a goal this year to draft in the first six months of the year um, a book. Uh, so that is happening. It's more around uh, the journey, uh, you know, kind of with the podcast and who I am and how I see the world as an, an already acting zombie apocalypse. We're already in it now. And that is an analogy for surviving at life. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to try to get my brain to focus long enough to build a book. Um, it's a short term goal but I'm setting it, uh, inspired by the people that I talk to, uh, and always moving forward one foot in front of the other. So people put down your phones, connect with those people around you, have a chat, get, get in it, get amongst it. If you listen to food for thought, I'm very much about being present at the moment. Well, always, but very much preaching that presence, you know, 
be available. We've just had a long weekend, and I hope that um, you enjoyed it. I hope that you were present and that you were able to, uh, you know, have some good moments with people around you. Uh, and that being said, I'm out. This is it. This is the end of the podcast. And uh, hey, what's up, people that are coming in from all over the globe? Uh, my stats tell me that I have people from not only Australia and the United States. I have uh, Myanmar. I got the UK. I got Argentina. I got some people in South Africa listening. I got Vietnam. It's insane. I, I don't even know what's going on. How, how are you listening to me? Uh, and if you are, go to my website. Uh, there's a survey there, possibly, that you might want to do about, you know, things. Uh, and, uh, you know, quite possibly send me uh, a note. Send me an email. Maybe if you can, can can do that. Tell me what what are you listening? Why are you listening to this? What's interesting about it? That would be fun. You know, I might do a uh, you know a listener email thing. Um, but that being said, I'm going to get out of here. This is a, a, a an hour and almost a half of your life that you've given me. I will cut it slightly short of that hour and a half. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody. I appreciate your time. Mm-hmm.